Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Every day's a Saturday. Oh, how I've missed that tune. Oh, how I've missed you all. Very warm welcome to the first Saturday session for 2022. Yes, we're into the future. 2022. My name is Daniel McCarty. No Grant Elliott. He's swanning off commentating cricket. Boy, do I have a wonderful replacement. He was so good in his debut performance uh, that he's littered the airwaves over the last couple of weeks. Big Mitch is back. He is the hardest working man in all of show business. Oh, Mitchell McLennigan <laughs> is with me, Daniel McCarty. G'day, fella. Good How to see you, you. Daniel? I can see you. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Wait. Hey, it's beautiful, nice to see mate. you out of that um that orange jersey. What was it? A Dutch jersey, <laughs> was it? Or yeah. yeah. What orange doesn't suit me? Oh, it was just it was just in my face. You see, you, I know you're a couple of <laughs> meters away from me on the screen, but it was still still there. It's like burnt it into my bur- retina. What have you could got? Could be worse. I could pu- I could pull out the white T-shirt that the wife bought me this year. Which <laughs> I, I was wondering what was going on and there. I, I, just... have a, I, I have a sneaking suspicion she has a, a different view of me in her own mind than I actually am, if you know what I mean. Well, that's it's a little bit snug. It's a little bit snug. That's probably a good thing, though. Yeah. Well, how was your Christmas? Oh, my Christmas was, was great, Christmas? mate. Yeah, it was great, actually. It was really nice. Yourself, did you get away? I, got, I gave it a four. I gave it a four. <laughs> What, what made it a four? The four kgs that I put on. <laughs> so when I when I when I arrived at my brother's, I jumped on his uh, very very fancy, uh, um, very accurate scales, and then weighed myself and cried uh, on the way out to the car. As oh, I left four days later. shit! It, so it was a few. kg a day. That's some going, isn't it? That's good going. Really good going. Jeez, I, I lost count of the four kgs. Of that, that's the four kgs that Grant <laughs> Elliott needs to put on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, try, I'm trying to work on a system where I can actually transpose weight um, immediately to my right to my co-host when he's normally here. Uh, hopefully, I can figure that out when he returns. I think in two or three weeks' time because he's uh, he's busy uh, with Spark. But uh, mate, you, you've been on with Ricardo. What's been the big talkers to start 2022? God, that's oh, still mate. strange for me to say that, 2022. <laughs> well, I mean, 21's uh, past us, hopefully. Fingers crossed, mind you. It looks like Omicron's going nuts across the Tasman. So yeah. there'll be a bit of chat about that today, I'm sure, with the football and, and the tennis. Uh, but during the week, Antonio Brown storming off the field. Uh, oh, that's, wow. that's the story that just keeps on giving. Uh, we're getting both sides now uh, with the coach coming out saying that uh, uh, Antonio 
Antonio Brown was on the sidelines rather than saying what Antonio Brown said, that he was injured and he couldn't go on. Apparently, uh, Antonio Brown, according to Bruce Arians, was saying that I ain't playing I ain't playing what's going on. I ain't getting the ball. And, and the coach said, you're done. Get the out of here. Yep. So uh, apparently, uh, look, I'm trying to figure out who's lying here because uh, both sides of the story sound a bit bizarre. Um, if the coach has said that... Well, that's that, Antonio Brown's career, though, isn't it? <laughs> he's, yeah, that's In a true. nutshell. That what, is what, true. What a ridiculous talent. A ridiculous talent he is, but you put that to the side and you, you, you look at this litany of sort of off-field, on-field issues. Yeah, well, we actually uh, had a, a bit of chat about... It's quite a head-scratcher. We had a bit of chat quite about if you had like a, a three-sport, three-player uh, new new comp where you had like maybe a Russell Westbrook, uh, Antonio Brown, and then you find a bad boy of baseball or NFL, NHL, and they play the same three sports, <laughs> three-man teams. So you just have like a bad boy comp. All the guys have been kicked out, and you go cycle around and play each sport. But um, aside from that, uh, Antonio Brown... Brilliant, I like that. <laughs> uh, Danielle Johnson um, was a big talking point this week. Um, obviously, she came off uh, the other day, uh, broke her leg, her lower leg, and unfortunately, uh, Gold Watch uh, uh, got put down um, again with a broken leg. Wow. So a pretty sad, sad day uh, in racing during the week, or over last weekend. So that's been the talk of the town this week. Um, Royden Bergeson we had on uh, trying to find a replacement for Danielle Johnson for the Cracker Millions. Uh, and... I think that was uh, that was an interesting little chat. Actually, he was. Uh, we actually got a clip of it. I think. Yep. It should be in the press. Oh, okay, okay. You don't want to give us a heads up before it hits the press today. <laughs> I'll better, I'll better, I'll better speak to other jockeys first. Or I might get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or should that have been? A, do you want to let us know before it hits the all press today? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, right. well, Baz, Baz, Baz called. Uh, we just had Baz on the phone, and he he called Lisa Allpress, and he said his punting's been really poor of late, so it's probably Lee Thinnest then. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you take out of that? Having that conversation, Daniel, you would have thought Lee Thinnest was going to ride as well, and that's what's happened. Well, you're onto it, mate. Nothing gets by you, much. <laughs> And good shade thrown at Baz. It had everything. Oh, uh, breaking news. Exactly. Um, and, and, and shade thrown at an SCNZ uh, co-host. That's, that's, and that's right out of your LEA. You love, love slowing shade, and uh, you'll get a chance to throw some shade at Grant Elliott a little bit later on. He's going to come on. And then the other big uh, big news event during the week, mate, um, was DeMar DeRozan for the Chicago Bulls. Back to My back, man. yeah, back to back three pointers um, to win. Uh, first one was against the Indiana Pacers, and then backed it up the night after. So he actually did it over two years as well. So back to back, I, not... I, I thought he couldn't shoot the three. <laughs> well, I, th- that... I thought he had an old fashioned mid range game. Oh, people didn't like that. I know, mate. I know. I'm loving Demar Derozan. Isn't I it? must admit, uh, Ben might remember this when we talked about the, the start of the NBA season. Being the big Chicago Bulls fan uh, that I was. I was a little bit low, uh, a little bit down on the moves they made. I was like, oh, yeah, hope springs eternal. I didn't want to buy into it. But I must admit, I was pouring over pouring over um, uh, their performances during the week. Oh, man, and boy, it, it just warms my soul, my friend. It warms my <laughs> soul so to see good, the Bulls top of the East. So good. So that is the only, the only other person to do that in the history of the NBA uh, is Larry Bird, who did that on well, the Well, anytime 20- you're in... Anytime you're on a list with Larry Bird, it's going right. well. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, the 27th and the 29th, 1985. So he's in good company there, Daniel. 
Wow, wonderful stuff. Well, it sounds like you've had a fabulous week. We've got a great show for you lined up. Mitchell McLennigan and Daniel McCarty with you for only a couple of hours today. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You want more of us. But live sport is coming your way. Well, we do hope uh, the forecast in Sydney for the latest day of the Ashes is a little bit um, yucky. There you go. There's a wonderful word to start 2022. I'm sure every meteorologist uses that one. It's a little bit yucky. Uh, there could be a bit of rain about. Uh, we do hope uh, we will be able to bring you ball-by-ball coverage uh, from the outset. Uh, we'll update you on that a little bit closer, but we will cross uh, to the SEN uh, Test Cricket team from midday. So we are on for the next one hour and 53 minutes. We want to make the most of it. And with you, it's great to uh, be back with you. Great to be able to speak to you, the listeners, um, on all things sport. The lines are always open. That's a big part of the show. You, that is, 100, uh, 100, I was going to say one. 100. I know me and this telephone number don't get along, but I've sent a new, I've set a new benchmark for crap broadcasting right there. It's actually 0800 150 You'll get through right now. The lines are open. Or you can uh, also text us. You probably know the text uh, number off the, off the top of your head now, Mitch. Yeah, 88 mate. Yeah, I'm going good. There you go. Look at that. Look, nothing gets past him. Double yeah. eight, double three. Uh, give us a text if you so uh, please. As far as what else is coming up on the show, well, later this hour, we'll talk a huge international story, huge story in Australia, and uh, a lot of people very interested in what is going on with uh, Novak Djokovic, who has uh, quite the important hearing on Monday, uh, our time, with regard to his future at the Australian Tennis Open and his future in Australia all uh, together. We will uh, catch up with SEN Tennis commentator. Um, very much looking forward to having uh, Brett Phillips on the programme in about 22 minutes' time. After 11 o'clock, uh, he's currently in the commentary booth. I think uh, play has just started in the uh, the latest uh, Dream 11 Super Smash game. We're going to catch up with uh, Spark Sport cricket commentator and general Lee co-host of the show when he wants as he swans in and out. Uh, Grant Elliott's going to join the show about 10 past quarter past 11. David Choate was supposed to call A-League football on the station later tonight uh, and I'm sure A-League fans around New Zealand will be delighted to hear his name um, being involved with the SCNZ's uh, commentary uh, alongside uh, Rafti Gregorio over the season um, but unfortunately the Phoenix's games have been postponed. Uh, eight members of their uh, playing staff um, now have COVID. Uh, the next two games have been postponed. Um, where is this team currently at after four losses in a row? Uh, they've announced some new signings, so we'll put all those questions to David Choate, the former All-White and football commentator, at about 11.40. We'll have our regular features. Uh, we'll put our house on it. Um, and Mitch can explain to me which of the one of those 25 multis him and Ricardo um, uh, laid down I might actually come through because I might need some help because I've been living in a bit of a bunker the last couple of weeks. <laughs> We're still alive. And haven't watched a whole heat. I'm, do you know what I'm utterly dumbfounded by? I'm utterly dumbfounded. How did the Black Caps lose to Bangladesh match? Oh, help Daniel, me out here. Daniel, I'm Daniel, sorry, Daniel. I didn't, I didn't, and I can't offer any articulate analysis. I didn't see any. I, 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 all I've done is scoreboard scouting, and I'm at a loss. What happened, Mitch? Invasion of the body snatchers, uh, <laughs> and the performance the of a li- performance of a lifetime from the visitors, um, ineptitude from the New Zealand batting, especially in the third innings. What, what, what was it, Mitch? Help me out. You're the expert. Um, oh, look, I think there's been a lot of chat around selection and the wicket. Um, Brendan McCullum said 
after the toss said it was a good toss to lose because he wasn't sure whether it was going to be one of the standard New Zealand test wickets that we've had over the last four to five years where it's green and it seams around and swings around and it's real tough uh, and suits our seamers. So uh, I think they made a mistake in not having Ajaz in the squad. Uh, if they saw a wicket It like, was in the bay, right? It, it was, was in the bay. It was in the bay, yeah. And, and they had watched tests in the bay before. <laughs> yeah, which we know. Go five days right. and it gets slow and low. Yeah. And low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. And you've got yeah. to take 20 wickets, don't you? So, but hey, yeah. they were exceptional, mate. Um, Russell Domingo has got them flying well. Otis Gibson, who used to be the bowling coach for England when they were so prolific at Test cricket, or wow, geez, that, that doesn't seem like well, that long ago, does it? But seems like for English fans, it seems like it was, it was a, 10, 15 years ago. Well, he was a great coach there. It was a there. few kgs ago. It <laughs> yeah, was a few, a few kgs, kgs ago. I can tell you right. Yeah. But he's really got their guys um, understanding how much support their bowlers need in the field and giving them confidence. And he seems to be getting the best out of his bowlers and his plans have been impeccable so I think they're really building a nice team around uh, around them so and, and that's what those subcontinent teams need mate they need people who understand the psychology of the sport uh, that uh, how to perform at that top level and they seem to be taking on all the advice that they're getting from their management at the moment but our well, boys you, what did, yeah, well, yeah Daniel I mean you'll be disappointed I, I guess our boys just just lacked a little bit of mongrel. Uh, that's probably the best. I, I'm just I'm dumbfounded is probably the word I, I I'm I'm going to yeah. uh, more often than not. I'm I'm just perplexed. I'm baffled. Um, the listeners, how do you view it? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Give me a prize. I said our telephone number correctly. Double eight double three is our text line. We'd love to get your verdict, um, especially for those who actually uh, watched it. Unlike yours truly. Uh, I'm going to rattle off some numbers here, Mitch. 7,655, 8,581, 1,090, uh, sorry, 1,909. Uh, any idea what I'm talking about there? Uh, the amount of black caps okay jerseys that were no. burnt? <laughs> How about this? 12,918, 10,287, 1,560. Still not getting it? What about... Um, 44, 48, 26, or 1900s and 2100s. Are, are you starting? Are you are, are you starting to, to pick up what I'm laying down here, Mitch? <laughs> I'm really struggling, mate. It's been a long week. <laughs> Those are the numbers of one Ross Taylor, Beautiful. who has scored 18,145 runs representing New Zealand. He has faced 24,765 balls. Incredible, right? And that doesn't include training. That is, <laughs> is 1,556 overs mm. that he has faced in international cricket and all comes to an end very shortly. We had him on the show just a few months ago and uh, we were saying we wanted another five or six years out of him. Um, he's obviously done what most people uh, do, Mitch, is not listen to Grant Elliott or I, <laughs> and, and that's fair enough. But I'd like to know from you, Mitch, and yep. the listeners... In order to sum up the contribution of one Ross Taylor to New Zealand cricket ahead of his final test match, one word, one word, what would that word be? Epic. I like that. That's good. Now, play some faith no more now. Can you play some faith no more? <laughs> Give me some epic. I think, no, I just think that, that's, he has oh, been like epic. The arms are being waved by the producer. Well, I don't know where to find that. Uh, no, he has been epic, mate. He's been um, phenomenal, hasn't he? Um, there's another word, phenomenal. So there you go. Uh, epic, phenomenal. I'll go with gargantuan. Gargantuan. 
You like that one? <laughs> Where's that come from? Gargantuan. You just want to say that Tremendous word, don't you? And, trem- I love saying that word. Gargantuan. Tremendous in size, volume or degree. Yeah, that sums yeah, them that up, really. That sort of sums them up. Oh, man, oh, you're starting uh, to make what, me choke did, up did you again. Ask, did, you, did you ask with the, 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 what the word, the origin of that word? The origin, yeah. What is the uh, origin? I'm, I'm pretty sure off the top, and this is just off the top of my head, just off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it probably appeared in Spanish and Portuguese culture in uh, the late 16th century. Okay, and do you need to know Gargantua. the amount of syllables? Gargantua. Uh, would you like me to use it in a sentence? <laughs> yes, please. Please use it in Ross a sentence. Ross Taylor's contribution to New Zealand cricket has been gargantuan. Oh, good. Good. Now spell yeah. it. Without looking at your screen. Uh, uh, well, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dreadful speller. Appalling. Oh, you don't need to now, any day. G-A-R-G-A-N. Ooh, be, there'll be a U in there. T-U-A-N. Have I got that right? I've got no idea. Oh, good. Thanks. Big help. You actually did it. Good work. Nice. Yeah, listeners, (laughs) listeners, one word to sum up Ross Taylor's contribution to New Zealand cricket. Go on, let us know. Double eight, double three is probably the easiest way to go about it. It is uh, quarter past ten. We've got a fun, fast-moving show. We must move on. Mitch McLennigan is with me, Daniel McCarty, through to midday right here on the Saturday session. Grant Elliott will appear after 11 o'clock. David Choate will as well. Brett Phillips will join us to talk Novak Djokovic, but coming up after the break, editor-at-large, as we recap the stories from around the sporting world. Epic, epic was the words Mitchell McLennan had for Ross Taylor's career. The question we're asking you, the listeners, one word to sum up the contribution of one Ross Taylor ahead of his uh, final test match. I gave you the numbers, 18,145 runs for New Zealand across those three forms of the game. 7,655 test runs. That's number one, Mitch, on the list. Mm. Number one for New Zealand. 8,581 one-day runs. That's number one on the list, Mitch. That is number one. Uh, and number four in T20 runs at um, 1,909. So I think epic, epic. Bang it up. Go on, Ben. Bang it up. Well, don't deny <laughs> us. Is there a song out there An called Gargantuous? Gargantuan. 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 Is there a song Gargant- out there well, called Gargantuan? We'll have to find one, won't we? It's Gigantic by the Pixies. Do remember that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember Gargantuan. Someone writes here, someone being Jason... Uh, as an Australian, I describe Ross Taylor's contribution to New Zealand cricket as mammoth. Mammoth. That's a good word. I like that one too. So double eight, double three, uh, the word you would use to describe Ross Taylor's career. Go on, uh, let us know. Time right now at 21 minutes after 10 o'clock. Editor at Large with Burger King, home of the Whopper, unpacking all the big news stories from overnight. Good morning, welcome to our news desk. The Saturday Sessions Editor-at-Large, as you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday, let's recap some of the news of the day here at large as we unpack all the sport that you've missed out on with Burger King, home of the Whopper. During this segment, I'll add in my totally unwanted and sometimes unwarranted off-the-cuff opinion. So let's go, Mitch. The Wellington Phoenix have signed veteran English defender Scott Wooten. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, who played four games for Manchester United during Sir Alex Ferguson's reign. 
Uh, the 30-year-old has signed a short-term contract with the Phoenix through to the end of the A-League uh, men's season after being granted a release from English one, uh, League One club Morecambe. Mm. That's from exciting. Morecambe. I know they were in the market for a defender, so that's, that's awesome. They picked one up. Uh, have you seen him play? Uh, no, I haven't. Well, nor have I. That's a good conver- that was a good conversation, <laughs> wasn't conversation. it? Great conversation. Great conversation. Great conversation. Good I'll, chat, mate. Yeah, good chat. So, so what they, chat. they open up uh, and can play on January the 14th, is that right? So they're a week, week away. Yeah, it? the next two next two games have been postponed. So I think it's, oh, it might be 21st, 22nd. Um, I probably should know that as I will be mm. calling the games here on SCNZ. This could end up uh, being the longest bit, season bit yeah, I don't know how they're going to try and get these games in um, if the delays, which you would imagine will continue, yeah. uh, the way things are, are, are operating in Australia as, as far as Omicron is doing its thing over there. So we'll follow that with great interest. So yeah, they'll, they'll welcome him into the heart of defence uh, for which they clearly need. And also the, the Mexican signee, uh, Sandoval, I think will be available for the ne- their next game uh, with these postponements. So that is uh, one positive. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Phoenix's next two men's uh, matches have been postponed after eight players uh, inside the squad tested for COVID-19. Check uh, uh, Renata Vorakova. Have you heard of her? I have now, actually, with, with this whole scandal, the old Djokovic actually, scandal. Actually, I don't even know if it's a he or a she. She. I, I think it's a she, yeah. That, that's, that, yeah, 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 there we go, mate. <laughs> there we go. Wow, we go good right? today. We go yeah. good today. Checks, Renata Vorakova has become the second Australian Open participant, uh, participant detained in a sweep by the authorities on players entering the country with vaccine exemptions. Mm. Now, she is a double specialist, and uh, her detention follows that of uh, world number one Novak Djokovic. You may have heard that story, who was detained at Melbourne Airport on Wednesday. The Czech government says... Uh, Vorakova entered Australia on a valid exemption, saying she had uh, contracted COVID-19 recently. The government in Prague says she will now withdraw from the tournament and leave Australia. Yeah, now, well, Getting well, COVID some months ago, I don't think ticks the boxes of a proper exemption. Well, apparently, it's so what, I, apparently Daniel, it's what uh, Tennis Australia actually advised players. That if they had had COVID in the last six months, they could extend or defer their first injection for six months. Is the letter that's gone out? It's just broken. So um, that yeah. went to Djokovic's camp and it went to uh, Renata's uh, camp as well. So uh, super interesting. But here's the thing, Mitch. Here's the thing. Egg on face of uh, Tennis Australia, absolutely. But I'm pretty sure to get into a country, you don't speak to a sporting organisation, do you? Well, uh, it's fascinating. Get though. into any country. Well, when we go, I, don't, do... I don't know if I want to, if I want to visit Serbia. Do yeah. I call tennis Serbia? Yeah. Well, it, like I, Hi, I can Daniel only go McCarty, from Daniel. I can't play tennis. <laughs> I can't play tennis. I'd love to come to Serbia. Can I get a visa, Daniel? I can only go off personal experience. No. I know. I know that when we do our IPL um, visas, we go through the cricketing board because they advise you what you can get in on. Uh, so you go through them first port of call because they should know. They should know what can get you into the country. So for visa, and particularly at this time, if you're running a tournament, I'd expect you to know how to get your players into the country. It looks like they've uh, done their, the dirty, haven't they? Egg on yeah, their face. Oh, definitely, mate, face. definitely. Definitely. Huge, huge yeah. egg on uh, And, and they put themselves in it as well. They put that, they said, oh, this looks like you're putting a spotlight on Djokovic. We've got multiple people who have come in with the same exemption. Just put their own foot in it. They should have just kept quiet. They should have said that. They should have said nothing. Yeah, it's messy, to say the least. Uh, in other news, Johnny Bairstow, 
though, scored a gutsy century. Is that right? Someone scored it 100 for England? Yeah, they did, Someone mate. scored 100 for England. It was a good 100 as well. Even Stokes what? looked really good yesterday. Yeah, Johnny it was impressive. Bairstow. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Bairstow. Bairstow who, who has the most hundreds for England, other than Joe Root, who isn't an automatic selection for the side, Johnny Bairstow, who should be the keeper of the side, Johnny Bairstow, right? Because you know what? He can keep, and he's a better batsman than the other guy. Yeah, but uh, they're both yeah, better but... batsmen than everyone else. <laughs> I know <laughs> Joss is, is out of form, but far out, man. Like, there's not much behind them. There's not much no. behind them, that's for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting. As called, I see... show, as called on the show, 5 0. 5 0. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know. That's, pretty... the, that's the big I'm... prediction you made at the start of the series, wasn't it? Yep. That was my bold, bold prediction. Uh, yeah, England have shown some fight against Australia on day three of the Force Ashes Test in Sydney. Uh, full commentary right here on uh, SCNZ from uh, midday when we'll cross to the SCN uh, Test Cricket team. Uh, Bestos well-crafted, 103, um, and a 128-run stand with Ben Stokes rescued yeah. England after they slipped to their customary 36 for four. Uh, very good. And, and then Mark that, Wood come in as only, well. Well, better, Mark Wood yeah, did all right. He got yeah, then got sawn off by the, the third umpire, which was charming, wasn't it? Snicker oh, off the helmet. Yeah. No thanks. It looked like there was a noise as it went past. Um, but, geez, he was playing some shots. He hooked Pat Cummings for consecutive sixes as well. I was like, round the wicket in at his head, and he's taken him down. So, they no, actually showed he could hold a bat, which I was surprised with. But, yeah, nice little as fight a from fall, the as a, far, as a fast bowler, that you, are, <laughs> you must love it. When someone out of the fast bowling fraternity gives it a lick with the bat, oh, and smokes someone of Pat Cummins's class, exactly. Oh, mate, love it, absolutely. Love it. We don't get it. We don't get the credit we deserve. You think we always see the ball going away from <laughs> us? The batters never let us bat in the nets, and then we go out and score runs and try and win a game. So. Yeah, like like when you're facing up to was it Mitch Doomback? Ah, uh, Jay Doomback. Yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay Doomback. Bowling thunderbolts and you're trying to what lap them into yeah, the well, That's just a pure lack of uh, time in the nets, mate. <laughs> I, I hadn't had the time to work on hitting them down the ground. I, the only the only option I had was behind me, so I, I put down there to to poor net time. Yeah, <laughs> you're wasting your time. <laughs> uh, so England will resume uh, at 258 for seven. They still trail by 158 runs. It really is going to be a draw or an Australian one. Ah, uh, where will I go with put your house on it? Well, hold tight. That's not far away. Uh, France have won the right to host the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. That is the first time uh, the country will have staged a global event for more than a half a century. The 2025 World Cup was due to be the first to be held in North America, which was uh, pre- provisionally awarded the tournament in 2016, but those uh, plans were scrapped mm. due to financial concerns. And lastly, Joseph Parker's promoter, David Higgins, says they're looking at a possible rematch with one Andy Ruiz Jr. Yeah. He's confirmed the news after saying Parker has turned down the option to fight uh, Croatia's Filip Hugovic. Uh, due to a concerning elbow injury, yeah, now, that and was also, a really even fight. I, I I do remember that one, you know, really well. I I thought it was a close fight. I thought Parker edged it, but obviously Andy Ruiz has had a far greater day, hasn't uh, Than fighting for yeah, <laughs> fighting for that title against Joseph Parker <laughs> those years ago. Of course, the monumental uh, upset of one uh, Anthony Joshua being the highlight of his career. Yeah, too right. And it sounds like economics are also a problem <laughs> as well with that, with Joseph Parker turning down that challenge as well. So that Andy Ruiz fight will be great. Um, yeah, it was classic, eh, that rematch with um, 
Ruiz and Joshua, how big Ruiz came back. It looked like he'd had a really good time. <laughs> looked, like he'd, looked like he'd come to my house for Christmas. <laughs> that is editor-at-large as we unpack your sporting news in association with Burger King. Craving that flame-grilled BK taste, Burger King is open and serving guests safely. Uh, Jim from Tamuka, great to have you back uh, with us in 2022, my friend. Thank you for your text. His word on Ross Taylor. Ross Taylor, mana and respect for his absolute love of being a black cap and all the pressure that comes with it. He is a true Kiwi bloke and champion. Yeah, we want to know your one word to sum up the contribution of Ross Taylor's um, If it's to New Zealand cricket over his incredible career. Uh, do let us know, double eight, double three. We will take a break and talk the biggest international sporting story going around. Novak Djokovic detained in Australia. Tennis is up next. No Grant Elliott. He is currently commentating uh, cricket. The Spark Sports um, cricket commentator will join us after 11. Yes, my co-host will be nice to uh, have him on board. But I've got Mitch McLennigan alongside me. He's been on with bre- uh, on breakfast with Ricardo during the week, so we really are getting our pound of flesh from the big fella. Uh, right now, though, we talk international tennis. We talk a huge international sporting story, and we are utterly delighted to welcome back to the program first-class SEN tennis commentator and broadcaster, Mr. Brett Phillips, who is host of uh, the First Serve uh, the show which I think re-enters our domain on Monday week, the 17th, on Monday evening on SEN. Uh, you can listen to it via the app if you haven't got the uh, SENZ app. What have you been doing, Muppets? Get on board. It is fantastic. Brett Phillips joins us. Happy 2022, Brett. Thanks so much for joining us again here on SENZ. Well, I think it's the best pump-up uh, we've had for the first serve, so very much appreciated. Uh, great, to, uh, great to join you guys. You are very welcome. I'm very good at pumping up tyres, mate. There's no two ways about it. And I'm, I've been really excited to actually speak to you because this is a fascinating story. Uh, I've, been, I've been on holiday, sort of uh, living in my bunker, pop my head up, try to find out what's going on, and I'm absolutely baffled um, how we've actually got to this position with Novak Djokovic. Uh, Mitch McLennigan's been uh, on the wireless all week. He's far more in tune. But for, for idiots like me, Brett, yeah. how would you describe, how would you answer that question? How did we get to this point? You know, it, it, to me, uh, it's it's sort of reflective of this whole two years we've been through with the pandemic. It, it, it just sort of it, it weaves into that. And the reason I say that is because all through this period, we've had federal government in Australia versus all the states. We've had mixed mm. messaging. We've had, you know, it, it, not everyone on the same page. And this is exactly what has happened with the Djokovic situation. He should never have got on a plane if this was handled properly. And now it's become an international incident with Australia looking like an absolute laughingstock for not having their ducks in order. I mean, he should never have been able to jump on the plane. All this should have been sorted out. Have you got the right paperwork? Are you going to be able to get through border force? And look, Tennis Australia, to be quite frank, have got a fair bit of explaining to do, but they're extremely silent at the moment, which I can tell you, is very, very familiar with Tennis Australia. I yeah, right. am employed at various times to do some stuff for Tennis Australia. I'm employed right now to do the ATP Cup where I am in Sydney. But as a governing body, they need to stand up and be accountable here because it's this um, obsession with wanting to please the playing group above any other Grand Slam in the world to get anything done. We'll, we'll, you ask, we'll get it done for you. But some I's have forgotten to be dotted here, some T's have forgotten to be crossed, some communication channels 
have fallen down significantly. And uh, I mean, to have two, you know to have two independent panels appointed. One was appointed by the Victorian government. One was appointed by uh, Tennis Australia to oversee any exemption applications. But if you go back to our own Premier, Daniel Andrews, who's been probably the strictest of all the Premiers in Australia through the whole pandemic, locking down Melbourne for the most number of days, he was adamant that uh, Mr Djokovic or no-one else in the tennis uh, sphere would get in if they weren't vaccinated. Then the sort of door opened up to, well, look, let's bring in an exemption opportunity. Two independent panels made up of medical experts the federal government had written to Tennis Australia and said one, uh, one reason for getting an exemption that won't be accepted is that if you've had COVID in the last six months. The accusation against Tennis Australia today is that they didn't inform the Victorian government of that. But then I would turn around and say, why didn't the Victorian government do its due diligence and know that very fact as well? So there's just been a whole communication breakdown uh, that has allowed... Uh, so Djokovic would yeah. never have come to Australia unless he was given the assurance by Tennis Australia that everything was kosher, everything was fine. Novak, you've got the exemption, here you go. Well, Brett, it sounds so like that, that was given in uh, a letter from Tennis Australia as well, um, saying that if they had the, had uh, COVID in the last six months, that they could enter Australia or defer their first injection for that six-month period. And that's not the view that is shared by the Australian Border Force and the federal government. So it's just, it's just, it's, just a, it's become a laughing stock how everyone wasn't on the same page of communication here to know what was right and what was not acceptable. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Yes, I can see what it looks like to the other side of the world for his fans in Serbia, the Prime Minister, his family protesting on the street. So the average Joe who's just following this story from everywhere, they would think, God, Australia has chucked the world number one tennis player in prison. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like that. It's just it's showing that um, he is being treated like everyone else. No, there is no special preferential uh, treatment, although no, there's been plenty of people who have been granted exemptions into Australia who have shown the uh, correct paperwork. Um, I don't know. Look, it's just... It's uh, it's terrible how it's got to this stage. The other thing I, I find really interesting is that when this federal court hearing happens on Monday, there is the possibility <laughs> that Djokovic may stay in the country while this is playing out and be allowed to play the Australian Open, which I just find uh, ludicrous. But let's uh, let's wait and see um, what happens on Monday. Brett, am I a little bit unfair when I uh, throw this out from my uneducated position? Well, if you are anti-vax like you... Uh, Novak Djokovic, you know this is one of the four biggest tennis events in the world, you know when it's held, uh, you've got plenty of time, wouldn't you do your own investigation with regard to the actual Australian government about getting in, rather than just hiding yeah, behind a sporting body? Yeah, look, there's no doubt there's some r- responsibility um, with, with Novak and his team, um, but look, okay, whether you believe in vaccination or not, and, and see, look, you know, I, I've trolled through social media for three days. You know, the common theme don't, is, well, don't, you should have just got don't vaccinated. Bring. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I've <laughs> don't, got, don't, don't go through social media. media. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a social media person, but, I, you know, I've got serious Twitter fatigue at the moment. But, um, okay, he's within his right not to get vaccinated. Okay, we, we accept that. Everyone makes their, makes their choice. 
Um, he would never have come to Australia if he didn't believe he could. Um, if he didn't believe everything was right for him to get in. So he, he applied for an exemption because he was entitled to apply for an exemption. Now, if he's knocked back, he's knocked back. He was given the green light to come. Should he have known more about the federal authorities? Well, I suppose, I mean, I'm just thinking here, you know, here's a guy who doesn't uh, live in this country. He's going on the advice of, um, you know, the, the main uh, governing body that he uh, deals with, uh, which is Tennis Australia, which is his family who he would trust to do the due diligence uh, at this end. So TA have um, basically, I think, you know, misled the players here a little bit in the paperwork that they sent out for the reasonings you could get into Australia. So they've got a bit to answer for, TA. And it's the first time I can genuinely say that Craig Tiley, who wears both hats, CEO of Tennis Australia and the tournament director, one would, one would say too many hats. Yeah, could have put on his hands, doesn't he? Um, I, I yeah, guess first uh, time that he's facing some genuine heat. I guess which is great. Um, uh, this is you're going to be so fatigued from this whole story uh, by the end of the week, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I might change it up. You, you are at the ATP Tour uh, event now at the moment. ATP Cup is that right? Um, Spain's just gone through to the final. Yeah. They'll face either Russia or Canada. Yeah, I was courtside last night. Uh, brilliant match between uh, Big uh, Big Hubie, who that uh, Hercash, the world number nine. He uh, is going to be a guy that's going to be staying in the top ten for quite some time. And it's funny, out of all the guys in the top ten, he hits the ball uh, the least hardest. But he's got beautiful timing, and his bowling last night was superb. And but Spain, yeah, were too good. Roberto Bautista are good. Uh, Pablo Carreño, Busta, they've always been in the shadow of. Uh, of Rafael Nadal for so many years, but it shows the great depth in Spanish tennis. And yeah, they'll play the winner of the other semi-final coming up today. So Russia, who have been led beautifully by Medvedev as the world number two, but the rest, uh, you know, don't have great resumes. Uh, with Rublev and Karatsev having pulled out top twenty players up against the Canadians, two guys that I would love to import and have AUS in brackets. Uh, next to them, Felix <laughs> Auger, Aliasim, and Dennis Shapovalov. These two kids are rippers. They're best of mates. Uh, and they're a big chance to, you know, maybe topple uh, the Russians uh, today. But yeah, it's uh, been a different ATP Cup to a couple of years ago when it was raucous crowds. It was the big names playing. COVID has certainly impacted it, but I can see what they're trying to do with it. But yeah, too much, uh, too much of a uh, small gap between the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup. But that's for the administrators. They'll sort that out hopefully. And uh, Medvedev looks in good form as well. I guess if Djokovic isn't able to play, uh, does he come into a firm favourite? Yeah, it's hard to go past him, to be honest. Uh, it's hard to get past him on the tennis court. He's the, he's the brick wall. I mean, you look at Alex Dimonor, who was you know, the young Aussie who was throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him the other night. And he's uh, Medvedev returning bullets at your toes uh, on the baseline, playing with the <laughs> smallest of margins. I mean, mm. this guy is uh, just uh, phenomenal. He's unorthodox. He's quirky. Uh, he He's just relentless. And it, it's so hard to find a chink in his armour to uh, to unsettle him. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, Zverev, um, yeah, maybe hasn't hit the world on fire at the ATP Cup, but he's the other one that's had a big 2021 that, you know, certainly is getting closer, I think, to winning a Grand Slam. But, yeah, Djokovic certainly doesn't play. And when Nadal factors in, Nadal has played a couple of matches in Melbourne this week, uh, just trying to get himself right. Foot injury last year, so not the best of prep. Not sure where Rafa quite factors in, but yeah, there's a few that could, you know, certainly put their hand up to contend Medvedev. Hey, Brett, let's uh, get you out on this one. I'm a little bit uncomfortable that you haven't had to answer a Novak Djokovic question for two questions in a row. 
so if Novak <laughs> doesn't uh, get his way and is not allowed to play, give me your top three as far as favourites for the Aussie Open, both men's and women's, please. One, two, and three. Who do you like as uh, the favourites? You know, a week out from it. Well, I think you've got to go uh, Medvedev, Zverev, and I do like Matteo Berrettini on a hard court, uh, and he's getting better and better uh, every year. So I think he has to factor in that second week of um, of the major. As far as the women go, look, Ash Barty's played a couple of great matches in uh, Adelaide uh, this week. Uh, she came home early to prime herself for the Australian summer. She was so close last year, lost that semi-final as she shouldn't have lost. Uh, she looks good. Uh, Naomi Osaka loves Melbourne. She has won it twice. We know what she went through last yep. year. But she's also looked very solid in the build-up uh, this week. So I do uh, like her form. And I'm just trying to think of a third who um, yeah, really, really factors in the women's. Yeah, anything I say will go the opposite with the women because it is so damn uh, unpredictable. <laughs> it is tough. Um, I'm just, yeah, women. Sophia Kennan... Won the Australian Open a couple of years ago. She's gone into the wilderness a little bit, but she's looked not too bad match against Barty in Adelaide. I don't know if she's going to win it, but um, you know she's around the mark. But I think I think Ash Barty's primed, absolutely primed this year, which is what the Australian Open will need because there will be no focus on her or anyone else in the build-up to January 17. Well, Brett, thanks so much for stopping by talking this huge story. Um, hopefully you're not too fatigued. Uh, when the actual Australian Open starts, because you've got a massive fortnight once that actually does. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. No, great to chat. Thank you, guys. Uh, Brett Phillips joining us on the program, uh, tennis commentator and broadcaster uh, from our uh, family at SEN. It is 12 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Uh, I, t- I tend to agree with him on the women's um, side of it, Mitch. Um, Predicting Grand Slam singles winners in women's tennis over the last ten years—it's <laughs> a lottery, been fought eh? with danger. Well, all those names he's he's mentioned could be eliminated in the first week. It'd be a great, um, oh, so, but not Ash Barty, and not, I'd, I'd be yeah. surprised if Osaka's out as well. But Ash Barty Osaka yeah. final would be great, wouldn't it? Imagine the fizz around that. That'd be huge. <laughs> it would be so much fizz. Be gigantuan. <laughs> Can't you see? Like you, you've so, I've sold you completely on the word gargantuan. We will take a break. It is eleven minutes away from eleven o'clock. We'll put our house on it, well, not literally. Uh, the sporting punch you need to know about and possibly run a mile from that is up next here on the Saturday session. We are now six minutes away from eleven o'clock. We generally do this to finish the show at about five to one, but because we're finishing at twelve, we thought we'd get in now. We're going to be quick. We are running out of time, Mitch. Our sporting punts of the week. We call it "Put Your House on It" or "Run a Mile from It." One or the other. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's licorice all sorts as far as uh, what the Saturday Sesh crew come up with. Uh, I know you and Ricardo Ball had a mammoth twenty-five leg multi going. Is there one of the twenty-five you are absolutely certain about? Um, oh, we had Lisa Latter on yesterday, trainer. She's got eight horses running today at Awapuni. Um, and her yep. call, uh, out of the eight horses that she's got running, uh, Wild Moose was her call. Okay, so Wild Moose, uh, number four, uh, meet four, Awapuni, race five. So number four, race five at Awapuni, Wild Moose. So paying $3.50 for the win. Uh, so she was super confident. She said he's uh, running real well. So uh, that's, that's my put your house on it this week. What's yours, Daniel? I like the sound of that. I, I like the sound of that. I'm so torn here because I'm going to have to backtrack a little. I'm going to have to backtrack. I was I was fairly bullish, fair to say, 
Fairly bullish, um, as I was shouting at Grant Elliott often when he tried to tell me that England will fight back after the first test in this Ashes series. I said, you can't fight back if you don't have any talent. And they don't have any talent in the top six. Uh, first innings runs in Australia, Mitch, come on. I know you played yeah, a lot of these nah, guys, fair, you fair, mate, fair. but they're, they're, just, they're just not good enough. Um, and that's because I, I rate Australia's bowling at home so highly. Um, so 5-0, but unfortunately I've just read the forecast for Sydney over the next two days. It's not looking pretty. I'm I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to back out. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go England, England and Australia to draw this test. Dollar forty two. Okay. Yeah, I just don't think there's enough time, Mitch. I don't think there's enough time. Oh, mate, Scotty Boland's um, back. He's fit, mate. He's he's got three. Actually, the Scotty stuff. Boland only needs three or four overs. <laughs> it's Australia to win at two ninety. Thank you, Mitch, for changing my mind. Every day is a Saturday indeed. Welcome aboard if you're tuning in for the first time today. It's great to have your company for the first time in 2022. My name is Daniel McCarty, alongside me, Mitch McLennigan, taking us through till midday before we cross to the SEN Australian Test Match commentary crew for the fourth and possibly final day of the Test Match. Uh, Mitch, yes, you've got me back on the horse of believing Australia will win the Ashes uh, 5-0 after I I poured over the Sydney uh, forecast. And it's not looking flash, but thank you, Mitch, um, for reinvigorating me and um, you know giving me the confidence, um, you know, to, to, to stick to my. You're guns. welcome. Stick to it, mate. It'll it'll come through. It'll come through, mate. And if it it'll doesn't, then well, oh, I've well. just done the math. All, uh, England are going to add twenty runs. Yeah. And that will be that that will be a good effort by them. So that yeah. means the lead down to one thirty eight. Australia forfeit their third innings and then just bowl them out for 100. <laughs> oh, mate, no, nah, they'll come out quick fire, 50, 60, give them 250, 250 to chase, and, and then we're on. Happy days. And then knock them over in how many overs? How many, hey. overs, how many overs do they need? Just, I just want to find out who, oh, how many overs do they need? Uh, 60. To bowl them out. Yeah. 60 to bowl them out, two yeah. sessions? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, and, and Scotty Boland, as you pointed yeah. out, um, yeah, cleared he'll, of be, injuries, he'll be right so, in the thick yeah. of it. And, and and he could be another nominee for our uh, Sleep Drops performance of the week. Um, you need a good night's sleep and to get the most out of your performance. And we want to know your Sleep Drops performance of the week. We have a prize pack. Thanks to Sleep Drops. Uh, one lucky caller or texter for nominating their sporting performance of the week. I'll get to mine in just a moment, but uh, start yours on double eight, double three. Um, everyone. Uh, who contributes, goes into the draw, and one lucky punter will win our prize pack. We are joined now by the so-called co-host of this program. I've, I've forgotten what he looks like. I've hardly seen the bloke over the last couple of months, Mitch. Skinny dude, <laughs> it's right? Very, very skinny. Nice, Always nice in a groomed. suit. Always in a suit. And, yeah, enameled teeth, you know, mm. looking very With handsome. Coffee in hand. Grant, Al- Grant Elliott is, is at one of the most wonderful cricketing grounds in all of the world right now. And I think he joins us. Hello, fellas. Come on, Elliot. How's it going? Hello. Good, mate. Great to be on my show. <laughs> it is. It's great to have you on our show. <laughs> How's my show going? <laughs> our, your show's going very, very well. The last hour was excellent, <laughs> I thought. And, and do you know what? It's a throwback, Grant. You appearing after 11 o'clock. You remember those days <laughs> where you only wanted to grace us with... Your presence for two of the three hours? Oh. Well, this is not. This is not true. This is, you know, uh, I wanted to watch the kids at grassroots sport. We know how important that is. I'm the the uh, proud uh, coach of Courtland Cobras, so I wanted to see how they were going just before I gently got myself into the show and got thrown under the bus by you and Ronaldo Ball and now Mitch, I guess. 
<laughs> oh, oh, Daniel! Daniel wants his kid at work as well. Uh, he's missing you. <laughs> well, he will be missing me because I always brought the coffees in every morning. So I would have thought that you know I made up for the time being away, but clearly not. So I'm going to have to make up for it when I get back. Oh, he's, he's got, uh, that, he's that got has coffees. Been duly... He's organised, mate. He's organised. He didn't even need you. Yeah, well, my. Because I, I married well, and my wife realised that Grant was away. She was like, oh, I'm going to have to make you coffee today, aren't I? Oh, that's oh, How lucky am I? Baking how lucky am I? Oh, another six from Jess Watkin, boys. That's her 50. Oh, how good. Well, we're, oh, hey, we're where are you? We're, we're, yeah, he's, he's on Spark Sport. He's just come off here. He's just come off yeah, here. Where, you, where are you, Grant? You, Paint the picture for us. I'm in the beautiful Taranaki... Uh, close to Mwanga, Taranaki, New Plymouth, Pukikura Park. Mm. I'll tell you what, the crowd is coming in. This is the place that I had a chicken carcass thrown at me in the boundary. <laughs> so it can get a little bit rowdy. It's you and Aaron Redman both had the same chicken. <laughs> it, had, it only had one drumstick on it, though. Tempting. Tempting to just sort of pick it up and have a snack. What? what? I'm sorry, Grant. What did you do to deserve having a chicken carcass thrown at you at Pookie? Were you playing for Canterbury? No. Oh, was it? <laughs> no. Oh, it could be another six boys. It is. Jess Watkin, back to back sixes here. 56 or 36 balls. Daniel, word, don't you just love that commentary voice as well? Oh, I know. It is very good. Although, although, I would love nothing more. If Grant Elliott commentated on Spark Sport later this afternoon and his Hugh Bladen accent. <laughs> I, I think I think Hugh Bladen commentating cricket would go very well. Okay, oh, I can give it a go. Um, this, <laughs> that's the over, though. That's the over. So, <laughs> Amelia, Amelia Kerr makes the ball available in her hand. <laughs> Bowls it short and wide. <laughs> Watkins places <laughs> away over cover. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Oh, good stuff. Well, we might we might hold the commentary hope, there, Grant, you're because because right. you're getting the the live feed uh, to our listeners. So if you've got any punters, they've probably jumped on those two sixes, I reckon, mate. So <laughs> you're like one of those guys who gets kicked out of the ground. Oh yeah, actually. Stop the cops. I will call it. Don't I don't think you've broken any. I don't think you've broken any rules. It's okay. So, are, are you telling me the Wellington Blaze are actually playing a team that might give them a contest today? Uh, no, they were they were struggling. I mean, uh, Jess Kerr came in. She had three for three off three overs at the the start of her spell. So. They were 10 for oh. 3, the Hines, but they've built back nicely, 78 for 5 or 15. But, you know, Pukikura Park, uh, the Blaze team, they haven't lost a game in this competition. So, yeah, was, uh, the interesting thing is it's the first time they're batting second. So they batted first every time in the competition. Um, but they're such a dominant team. But another boundary from Jess Watkin. Well, she's, this is one of the most dominant innings as I've seen in the comp so far. Um, Brilliant. But I mean, surely we've got to talk about the test match, boys. I was there. I was calling uh, the test match. I was fortunate enough to be at Mount Monganui, um for Bangladesh versus New Zealand, and yeah, it was so disappointing. It was really disappointing. Well, well I'd like to know. I, I'll give you the question, Grant, that I gave Mitch at, at the top of the show. I'm utterly dumbfounded. I didn't watch the test. Um, I, I was on holiday, 
uh, completely unplugged, all those boring things. Um, now I wish I actually watched it. All I can go off is some scoreboard scouting, and I look at 139 for one in the first innings, New Zealand batting first. 320 is not good enough when you've laid a platform like that. Obviously, everyone, uh, it seemed, in the Bangladesh side got runs, so clearly it was easy to get in, um, and 400-plus um, available to them, and then New Zealand capitulate in the third innings. What happened, Grant? I, I'm mm. utterly dumbfounded. I'll, I'll give you a brief summary of what I think. I think that we produced a pitch that potentially we were complacent on, where we thought it doesn't matter what we play Bangladesh on, we'll beat them. Um, I then think at 230 for three um, on the first day, you're right, 320 was not good enough. We lost 92, um, or sorry, five wickets for 92 to spin, where spin wasn't effective at all on day one and a bit. Um, so we should have got 450 and we wouldn't be having this conversation, 450, 500. Um, then there were two defining moments when we were bowling. Uh, we nicked off nominal. And that was a no ball from Wagner, who went on to get 88. We also didn't review Das, who was LBW. Um, we didn't go upstairs when it was, you know, pitching middle, smashing middle. Wagner thought he had hit it. So unusual for a bowler um, and Mitchell Notice to turn down a review. Normally, though, the first one's going up. Um, and, uh, yeah, then when they bowled, they bowled wicket to wicket, and they reverse swung the ball. And our batters couldn't cope with uh, the reverse swing, which... Uh, you know, perhaps not uh, not expecting it and not expecting someone who averaged 81 going into the test to knock us over. So maybe good maybe good lesson for, for the Black Caps. And Bangladesh played very well, but we were under par. Yeah, Grant, um, we've spoken a little bit during the week about how, how difficult it would have been uh, how difficult would it have been uh, to bring Ajaz in once they'd seen the wicket? Has there been even even more chat about that uh, since the Test match has finished? Some people are saying you have to play him. And to be honest, when I look at the game, I don't think it would have had much of an impact, to be honest, because we we lost nine wickets to seam in the last innings. Only mm. one wicket to spin. Mm. So what did us was seam and reverse swing and very you know, skillful reverse swing bowling, wicket-to-wicket stuff. And Otis Gibson spoke about it the night before. And he said, you know, what What we decided we were going to do is we were going to bowl wicket-to-wicket on this uh, deck instead of doing what New Zealand did, which he said is using the bounce and trying to get guys nicked off. So I think their ability to adapt and in conditions which kind of did suit Bangladesh, because when you, I mean, you know, Mitch, you go to Dhaka, you're bowling wicket to wicket, you're not mm. getting much bounce. Any whip on offer, you get punished. Yeah. So it sort of played into their hands a little bit. Um, and that's where, I guess, the complacency of preparing a wicket that, you know, we turned up and Brendan said, oh, it could toss to lose because it actually looked like a good batting deck. Whereas normally you bowl first in New Zealand, you use the green conditions. Yeah, I'm with you, Grant. AJS Patel's not going to impact the batting when you've uh, been bowled out for 328 after being 139 for the loss of one and then capitulate in the third innings. Uh, the makeup of the bowling lineup, yeah, um, probably secondary, I, I, I would think, to, to first innings runs. It's exactly what we're seeing in the Ashes, right, aren't we, fellas? That if you don't get enough first innings runs, um, you're out of the contest. You're always under pressure. You are. You, you're always under pressure. And um, I think. You know, first innings runs, we have to look at the likes of um, our number six. So, you know, you, Ravindra, Jameson, Salvi, 
um, Wagner, Bolt, and the reason being Blundell. is um, someone Splendor, someone was telling me a stat the other day and said, um, you know, from batters six down to eleven, our highest score in the last three Test matches has been twenty three. So you know, we need to get better at fishing the innings and, and those guys standing up as well. Um, and if they do, then you can start having the AJS Patel discussion, I guess. You know, we need uh, the likes of Jameson to, to get runs and, and Salvi. I guess that uh, kind of exposes how big a hole BJ Watling and Kane Williamson are <laughs> uh, leaving this side when they're not playing. Oh, there, there was a lot of BJ Watling chat. Uh, there was a lot of, oh, you know, you would have loved this moment and come in and would have got us 100. But, yeah, he's not there and we have to grow the players that are there. Um, I, I like Rachin Ravindra as a player. I think he's a fantastic prospect and we need to make him feel comfortable in international cricket. And Tom Blundell, well, he's got 200s to his name, you know. So, um, you know, we, we have to keep persevering and keep giving them the experience. You don't just jump into international cricket and, you know, become a star at it like Devin Conway. It doesn't happen like that for everyone. So no. having a plan and a pathway for all our players um, is so important. Um, and Ajaz Patel, I would have had him in the squad. I must say that. I would have had him in the squad, but I probably wouldn't have played him in Tauranga. Uh, Grant, uh, I take your point about Tom Bundle having had success at Test Match Cricket, uh, so you give him a little bit more run rate despite his uh, underwhelming sort of output over these last three Test Matches, including the two in India. Rachin Ravindra, though, he is still very, very young, learning his craft. Uh, are we... Is this Mitchell Santner 2.0 in the sense that we're throwing him into that level just a little bit too soon? I think they're different players. Um, I think... Um Rutchen is more of a, he's a seventy percent batter, thirty percent bowler. You know, he bats up Agreed. top. Is, is there a p- potential for him to maybe open the batting uh, for New Zealand? Yes, because he started his craft. Um, he's in the middle at the moment because we think that his his batting and his bowling are going to play a part. Um, but you must understand that with Rutchen, he's had to save a test all three times now mm. where he's played a test match, yes. which is really different yeah, to going sorry. in and. You know, like yeah. being behind Kane and an inform Ross Taylor and the inform uh, Tom Latham, where you come in at you know two hundred and fifty for five. He's come in and he's been under pressure, so um, that, that's part of the job. And you know, he he can't shy away from that. But it is different conditions that he's gone in. And I just, whenever I see someone selected, I like to persevere with him. Yeah, fair enough, too. 7,655 test runs, 8,581 one-day runs, 1,909 <laughs> T20 international runs. 18,145 runs Ross Taylor has scored for New Zealand. Grant Elliott, put you on the spot. A word to sum up his contribution to New Zealand cricket. What would it be, Wordsmith? Stumped. Legendary. Got him. Got him. Legendary. Legendary. He's a legend of the uh, game. Ama- ama- and, you know, amazing career. And do you know what I find exciting about the Ross Taylor career is that he was mentored by Martin Crow, and what he wanted to do was beat the number of hundreds that Martin Crow got, and he did. And you know, like we know how special Martin Crow was to New Zealand, but to go and do that and exceed someone who's held up in the lights as our best ever batsman um, at that time. You know, Ross Taylor has done phenomenal stuff, and he can be proud of it. His family can be proud of it. And 
I hope we see a bit more of him in domestic cricket. I hope that it's not the end of Ross Taylor in New Zealand because I would love to see him putting it into the eighth uh, terrace uh, over here in Pukekura Park next season. Ah, season. Good. So, Jim, off match. Are gonna be off me? No, I, I, yeah, I'm not allowed to play yeah. domestic cricket in New Zealand anymore, Daniel. Um, <laughs> what's your favourite Ross Taylor moment, uh, Grant? Um, oh, just every time he dropped the knee and hit it to full corner. Mm. Um, I just I love it. You know, he'd be blocking it and leaving it, and then all of a sudden, he would just suddenly smoke one to cow corner, and it would just go miles, and everyone would go, "Where'd that come from?" Um, but I think if it was uh, one moment that I'd have to isolate, it was the World Test Championship. I was in MIQ. I was watching it on Zoom with a number of supporters who all had their cameras on, which is quite funny. ACC supporters. And um, to watch him hit the winning runs is pretty special, I think. I think that would have been a really fitting way to go, in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your, your favourite Ross Taylor story, Mitch? Um, I, I, going off Grant's legendary call, I think he's a true legend because the fact is that he, just the amount of runs he scored, but the fact that he came back from Zimbabwe after getting hit in the nuts... Uh, splitting his testicle, having surgery in Zimbabwe, and then coming back and fathering another child, I think that makes him legendary. Lazarus. He was Lazarus <laughs> after that. So I remember going into that hospital. He never thought he'd come back from, uh, from Bulawayo. Is that what he calls uh, it now? He calls it Lazarus? Oh. Well, I call it, no, I call him Lazarus. I thought he was never, we were never going to see him again, and he felt the same way when he went into the Harari AME. Yeah, unbelievable. That's legendary. Who, That's, who sconed him? Who sconed him? He's Sodi of all people. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of fizz on that one. Yeah, a lot of, lot of revolutions on that one. Hey, Grant, I know you've got a day job today, not here at SCNZ, but with uh, Spark Sport commentating the Dream 11 <laughs> Super Smash. Uh, give me a quick rundown. Uh, can anyone beat the Blaze? Uh, 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 Wellington just going to win uh, another T20 competition um, or is there someone who can maybe knock them over in a final you know g- give me your thoughts on the yeah, women's side of the comp and we'll finish with I, the men's i do have to go here but um yeah the hinds are oh, they're giving them a good run for their money here but I, I think you need to you need to bat first and you need to score 140 under pressure then you need to get out amelia kerr you have to get out maddie green and rebecca uh burns oh on, so it's simple and then you've got a chance yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the recipe. But um, Jess Watkins just got seventy or forty odd balls. Um, she's just got out, and we've got two overs to go, and they've got one hundred and seven for six, and we've got uh, uh, Rowe and Cunningham are in, so Rowe's on sixteen. So yeah, a little bit of a sniff here. They've got the bowling for it. Hannah Rowe and Rosemary May could knock a couple over early. Uh, you never know, but it doesn't really matter. This is still the pool games. Uh, they played six one six. Um, and, yeah, it's the finals that counts. I mean, they got to the finals last year and got um, beaten by uh, Canterbury Magicians. So, yeah, it's the finals that counts, isn't it? You can do well in the pool stages, but that final game is where it, where it all happens. And they will have Sophie Devine back for that game. Yeah, and I, from what I understand, she's quite a good player. Hey, Grant, thank you so much. Get back into the box. Have a wonderful call. And I can't wait to hear your Hugh Bladen on Spark Sport in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Rich. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying our show. <laughs> <laughs> that is co-host of the Saturday session, Grant Elliott.
at Pookie Park. What a wonderful place that is to to visit, isn't it, Mitch? Probably not to bowl at. No, nah, it's my favourite ground in the country, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> just on uh, Grant being uh, talking about Amelia Kerr. Amelia uh, Kirk is actually managed by Grant Alley, and yesterday she said that she's going to put in the contract clause uh, that he has to have a mullet. So if he wants to continue to, <laughs> to be, yeah, yeah, go back. There's some audio. Yeah, she well, said. Well, I'm glad Amelia Kerr is obviously in a hat. Yeah. She's obviously in a good place right now, yeah, considering she what she's been through yeah. in the last sort of six or seven months. Very prolific. And, you know, great with the bat and ball for Wellington. You know, truly becoming that all-rounded. I know she's craved to be. But that is just that's wonderful, Niggle. Yeah, but so you know, good. You know the vanity. You know the vanity of Elliot. We have him thinking long and hard about signing <laughs> that piece of paper. I, I reckon we could just just a rat's tail, Grant Elliot, with a rat's tail. <laughs> we could make that. That could pass, couldn't it? <laughs> just <laughs> anything. Rat's tail. Oh God, the dirty, dirty rat's tail. It's never a good look. Uh, thank you to Grant Alley. We will take a break. It's 20 minutes after 11 o'clock. David Choate joins us in about 20 minutes as we uh, talk the A-League, uh, which has had the brakes slammed on it, especially the Wellington Phoenix this season. Some signing news for them. Where are they at after four straight losses? The former all and football commentator David Choate on the programme a little bit later. But uh, after the break, um, some of our sporting favourite sporting quotes of the week. And uh, I'll throw out my sleep drops performance of the week. It is some of the, the best shithousery you will see in sport, and I'm all for it. It doesn't have to be a glorious performance. It can be absolute nonsense, and I saw some wonderful nonsense during the week, which I'll raise after this break. It's 21 minutes after 11. 25 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session on SENZ. Keep your messages coming through on 8833. You can pick up the phone anytime and join us on 0800 150 Very interested in knowing what your Sleep Drops performance of the week is. Every caller or texter goes into the draw to win our prize pack. Thanks to Sleep Drops. Remember, sleepdrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. All right, uh, Mitch, here is my Sleep Drops performance of the week. I have sent you the video. You should have seen it by now. Uh, I love an athlete who goes by one name. Uh, Trezeguet is his name. He is a left winger for Aston Villa. Um, who made quite the impact in the English Premier League game against Brentford the other day with the Rolls-Royce of dives in football. It, it is just quite spectacular how brazenly bad and full of bollocks it was. Uh, he's gone down as if someone has shot him in the back and then actually held his head <laughs> when he was only grazed on the shoulder. So I... These play, if you get touched on the shoulder, go down holding the shoulder, Matt. Surely. Um, <laughs> it looks like um, I, someone trying out for a, I, an extra for Spartacus <laughs> or something like that. It's like you've got a dying scene and he's terrible. Didn't get a callback. It is, it is it's so bad. It's so brilliant. Um, and what I love most about this little story, do you know how many minutes he has played in the English Premier League this season? He has played 10 minutes and he has already provided me uh, with my favourite Aston Villa highlight of the season. Do you reckon he's uh, practiced well done, that? He's practiced that in his hotel room, practiced that on his front lawn. He's uh, <laughs> he's like, this is my time to shine. Ten minutes in to my football career. You've, wa- you, you've watched the video. It is splendid, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's hilarious, yeah. actually. Uh, I, yeah, uh, That kind of sums up football to me, Daniel. So I'll leave that yeah, stuff yeah, to you yeah, and Ricardo. Two... I can't stand seeing people dive. Yeah, yeah there's two things that... Um, 
have really done my head in over the years. Um, diving, I, I've just let go now. I've just let go. It's, <laughs> it's not going away. I can't let it go, I'm just trying to see, I'm just trying to see the positive in it. The thing that I can't get over is the way they treat referees. The way they yeah, get in the faces poor, of referees. Eh? That, that, that makes my blood boil, and I absolutely love the game. Uh, for sure. I don't know if you've got a sleep drops performance of the week. Uh, mine was what we talked at the start of the show, mate. Um, Tamar DeRozan. Um, yeah. Yeah, back-to-back three-pointers for the Chicago Bulls. Your team, uh, my NBA team as well. So mm. it's been nice to see them go this year. But, yeah, like I said, uh, the first person to do it, back-to-back buzzer beaters, since Larry Bird. So like you said, if you're in a conversation with Larry Bird in it, uh, you're, you know your performance was decent, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, life's going good. And I, I think to Mitch's point about Larry Bird, what, mid-80s, 85, 86? 85, yeah. 20, January 27th, wow. 29th, 1985. So that's a long time. Hasn't been done in 37 years. Yeah. So DeMar DeRozan's a pretty good shout. Uh, if you've got a nomination and you want to get in on the action of winning that uh, Sleep Drops prize pack, uh, now is your chance because we finish in 32 minutes' time. It is 28 minutes after 11, stay with us. This is SENZ right now. Let's uh, revisit some of the sporting quotes that have pricked our attention. The Week in Words with Burger King, home of the Whopper. Unpacking who said what in the world of sport. All right, Mitch, I'm going to start off. Um, I'll start on the theme of football. Kieran Trippier is probably someone you've never heard of. Mitch? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, fair enough. He's an, he's an English fullback. He actually plays for England. He's quite good. He had been at uh, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid are the champions of Spain um, and are in the Champions League. Um, but Kieran Trippier has uh, transferred away from Atletico Madrid and he is now mired in a battle for, the, uh, for relegation in the English Premier League because he's joined Newcastle. So he's gone from Atletico Madrid to join Newcastle Follow the money. Uh, for 12 million quid. Yeah, I wa- yeah, but it's not. It's not about the money. It's not about the money, Mitch. I know you immediately thought that. Probably your mind pricked going, hmm, haven't Newcastle got some new owners? Well, yes, they do, and they've got a lot of money. Uh, Kieran Trippier, though, um, well, not he. He doesn't say this. His manager, Eddie Howe, says it's, he's joining them for the challenge <laughs> and, not, and not for the financial benefits. Oh, yeah, financial benefits. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Geez, that little land package he's got uh, got now from the new owners is looking pretty, pretty good as well. And I guess that's not part of that twelve million million. Uh, but the challenge, yeah, geez, that is going to be a challenge, isn't a challenge. it, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. Because you're a prof- professional athlete. How much does the challenge come into it compared to the paycheck? The challenge is the cherry on top, isn't it? But you tend to go where the biggest, the most amount of zeros are, right? Yeah, if you that, can. That's human yeah. nature. I think the and and I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being harsh on you, Mitch. I'm saying this is what humans do, right? A challenge is only, the challenge only comes into it when it's a team you want to play for. And I can't imagine Newcastle yeah. would have been the top of his list. <laughs> so, yeah, no, for me, the challenge So, anyhow, went on and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyhow went on and said, it's a sign that the club has a huge pull. And I'm not talking financial here. Oh, whatever, mate. Newcastle's majority shareholder, private investment fund. I, I, I should probably um, call them the private investment fund. Um, they'll probably sue me otherwise. Has reported uh, has a reported collective wealth of get this, Mitch, three hundred and twenty billion pounds. I saw I saw a pie chart of pre this these guys coming into the <laughs> yeah. league with Newcastle. Amazing! It's yeah, that, unbelievable. It's amazing! Unbelievable! 
So like what now they they have eighty what ninety percent of the wealth over yep. all the owners uh, or something. I think like, you're right. Yeah, pretty close to right. that. Eh? Yeah. It's three hundred and twenty million quid their private wealth. You compare that um, to I think next best in the Premier League that is Manchester City, and their Sheikh Mansour who only has twenty three point three billion pounds. Only. 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 All right, what, what, quite, what quotes have you got for us this week, mate? Um, my quotes, uh, I want to play a clip from, uh, from one of the Wizards games. <laughs> so uh, got Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, commentated as he drains a three. What a well-designed play. And um, you got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger. Right at the right time. Boy, that one stung. So a little bit of background to that, Daniel. I don't know if you're up on this one. Uh, Kevin Porter, Porter's junior, uh, junior's dad, uh, went to jail for manslaughter and then was later killed in a bar fight. <laughs> so, and that was the commentary. So just so you can listen to it again, uh, we'll play that again just so I can get that second reaction from you. What a well-designed play. And um, you got to give credit. Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right at the right time. Boy, that one stung. So he's tried to come out and say that he thought his dad, uh, he thought it was Kevin Porter Jr. who played for the Washington uh, Wizards in the 90s, uh, 1970s and early 80s. So he's tried to say it was like that, but that obviously wasn't his dad. His dad was the guy who killed someone, went to jail, and then got killed in a bar fight. So, so yeah. He pulled the no, – no, there's so much wrong with that bit of commentary. And I, I had not heard that, and bugger my other quote – I just I want to drill down on this one. Where do I start? <laughs> shot shot at exactly the right time for what to kill someone? Yeah, to go away. Apparently, he have to have have to have known. Yeah, he, he apparently killed. Well, he did kill. Just but, killed a, a fourteen-year-old girl as well. So it gets worse. Oh my god, it gets worse. Yeah, fourteen-year-old oh, wow. girl. Okay. So. It's not a turn of phrase, is it? Gee, you pulled the trigger just at the right time, Mitch, didn't you? Like his dad. When you put like his dad, <laughs> like, yeah, head, like your dad, pull the trigger. you pulled the trigger just at the right commentary time. commentary thing, yeah. But like his dad? <laughs> oh, bro. Yeah, so Glenn, Con- oh. Glenn Consor is his name. Um, so everyone's coming out after him. LeBron James, everyone coming out and basically wishing him all the best with his next career. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's not a great moment, fair to say. Hey, we've all had those moments, commentators, when double entendres come out and you say you say things that mean something to other people. Um, you know, when you're just trying to talk the game, it, it can happen. But that's a very weird one. Um, that that's so good. I need to know what your second one is. My second one is Shane Warne. So uh, Shane Warne uh, had come out and said that he basically thought uh, Mitchell Marsh should play ahead of. Um, Usman Kawaja for this test just because of how good a form Mitchell Marsh has been in. Uh, Chad Sayers, after uh, Usman Kawaja came out and scored that 100, basically said Shane Warne keeps bagging his own Aussie players, went hard at Mitchell Stark, wrong, and now Uzi, wrong. Hashtag shut up. So Shane Warne got onto Twitter and said, hey champ, 
And I, in my personal opinion, thought he could have stopped there. Champ is a very derogative word in Australia. That's <laughs> as, as a bad G'day as you can champ. say. G'day, champ. Hey, champ. <laughs> it's like if you get champed in Australia, that guy thinks you're a you're a genuine prick. So, yeah, so, yeah. so he goes, hey, champ, FYI, saying you would prefer to bowl to, uh, to Kawaja rather than March is not bagging anyone. P.S. I bowled spin. You bowled so-called air quotations pace. The keeper stood in the same spot for us. Ha, ha, ha. He said, uh, PPPS, he said, you would need a helmet bowling to Mitch Marsh right now. So that is the biggest burn a spinner can give to a fast bowler, <laughs> saying that the keeper stood in the same place, inferring that Chad Sayers was incredibly slow. So, uh, look, hey. That is good like? shade. <laughs> yeah, that's a good return to serve. Very Andre Agassi like there from uh, Shane Warne. I must admit, Warne is quite thin skinned, though, isn't he? Which is, which, which is quite surprising considering how much plastic is in his skin. <laughs> Oh, it's a strong plastic, that's for sure. Uh, it's entertaining, oh, but I mean, what what do you expect? I think earlier earlier in the in the year, uh, talking about getting COVID, uh, Shane Warne said he, he thought he'd try to get rid of it by uh, smoking a hundred cigarettes. So so that kind of wow, yeah, <laughs> that, that was wow. that was his. See, I don't of, know if that's a joke or actually did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> both would. Both, I would very distinct possibilities. Hey, but I guess that's, yeah, I'm that's not sure. his, okay. Hundred darts is the best thing to do to get over COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's his job, though, isn't he? He's he's uh, he's there to have an opinion on, on the game, and and some people rack up about it, but uh, sometimes uh, he's a bit left field. But the Mitchell Stark one, I thought it was warranted at the time, and. Yeah, Aussie, Aussie deserves this chance, but geez, Warney uh, is always offering us entertainment, Daniel. Have you got, yeah, something have like you got that. another um, one, or, or are we done? Oh, those mate, two, my, those mine's solid? actually quite disappointing. They were very, very good. But I, I feel kind of a little bit disappointed with uh, with my final quote after after your fine efforts. Uh, I just found this so surprising um, that um, a very unlikely advocate came out for Novak Djokovic. Um, <laughs> that is known anti-Novak tennis player. Um, Nick Kyrgios, mm. the Australian who's had quite the running battle with um, uh, Novak over the years. Hasn't he? Um, take, taken to social media and saying, this is one of our great champions, but at the end of the day, he is human. Look, I, have defin- I definitely believe in taking action. I got vaccinated because of others and for my mum's health, but how we are handling Novak's situation is bad, really bad. Do better. Just do better, much. Just do better. Who needs to do better? I'm assuming the authorities, probably Tennis Australia and those on the border in Australia. But just do better. Just do better. We we have got the wind-up music. The Oscars theme tune is about to play from Big Ben Francis. Um, Richard writes via text just to annoy Ben. I'll read out a text uh, just to annoy him, uh, who's nominated Snakebite Wright for his performance of the week. See, you'd like this, Ben. It's about darts, mate. It's about darts. I know you love your darts. First of all, winning the darts world champs, then championing the distraught um, Michael Smith's future prospects in the sport and deflecting his own achievement just classy. Would you agree with that one, uh, darts expert, Ben Francis? Oh, yes, because Richard is our winner this week. Final decision. What's the first one I've read out? What about the other ones? (laughs) Anyway, David Choate's up next. We'll talk football. 17 minutes away from 12 o'clock. You are with SENZ. We're going to talk some football now. Uh, Later tonight, we were supposed to bring you coverage 
uh, from five past seven of the Wellington Phoenix's next game in the A-League. But that one and the following has been postponed due to the fact there are now eight players inside the Wellington Phoenix camp have tested positive for COVID. In positive news, they have announced a signing, uh, former Manchester United uh, defender, more recently with uh, League One club Morecambe. He is Scott uh, Wooten, who joins at the programme. Uh, he does not join the programme. Joining the programme now is uh, former All-White and football commentator David Choate. Uh, Mitch, you'll love this. You were talking about Grant Elliott uh, possibly having to grow a, a, a mullet Mm. Uh, to appease um, one Amelia Kurt, David Choate in his playing days probably had the finest mullet in all of New Zealand sports history. Isn't that right, Jody? It's a fine thing, but uh, long gone is it now, Daniel. I'd be very happy to be able to grow them. It's uh, follically challenged, I think they call it, aren't they? Bald as a badger. It was a sight, though. It was a sight um, to behold David's mullet in his plomp. David, I, I don't know how to feel about this postponement for the Wellington Phoenix. I'm sure they're desperate to get back on the field because they need to put a lot of wrongs, right, don't they, after what we've seen over the last four games? Well, they've got to keep playing. I think that's the... I think Talley was um, pretty clear with that a couple of weeks ago when talking about what's going on in the A-League. Uh, games is what they need just to keep playing. They're in a, a poor, rough form. Their talent, their stock's pretty because they haven't got a great uh, depth in the squad. But he wants to keep playing. And so I think the delay will be a disappointment to him and to the players. They got that result in the FFA Cup, which shows that they can compete and showed that they could be defensively sound. As you say, the signing, uh, the recent signing is going to help that as well. But yeah, I think they want to be playing games. Delays doesn't help them really. What has been what has been lacking over the last three or four games? Because there were positive signs first the, through the first couple of games of the season. Yeah, well, in the first week or two, they actually uh, outperformed, in my opinion. Uh, they uh, beat my expectation. I thought they were for a tough, a tough season. They'd lost uh, key players. They'd lost leadership. And they'd lost a bit of mongrel in the midfield. Cammy Denning, I think, the big miss for He was uh, uh, crucial yeah. in the Phoenix of last year. Uh, they never really replaced him. They didn't have that fight, that talent. So I think they're life and talent. Um, they're throwing in kids to have a run, which is... Positive. It's good to see young New Zealand players getting a run in the A-League, but to expect them to be of the standard of some of these um, more seasoned professionals I think was a big ask. I think what we need is to uh, certainly add some quality, which they're doing via uh, hopefully two signings that they've made during the window or who will be available next game. Um, hopefully those two players are sent back in a creative Mexican will uh, add to their stock sort of the kind of talent they need just to be able to compete a bit better with the uh, with the other A-League sides. Oh, David. Um, You're so right, and I'm glad. Oh, so, sorry, Mitch. I was just going to say, I'm so glad you raised that about Cam Devlin. Everyone talked about Davila moving on, Stephen Taylor moving on, but uh, uh, Cam Devlin in the middle of the park has, has been so, so good, and it's, it's a great point that you raised, David. But how much do they need a central defender? Let's talk Wooten. Um, you know, how big a get could he be? Massive. If he has, uh, he hasn't got the playing pedigree. In Taylor, but he's certainly got the match experience. A couple of hundred of sort of league games, the English league will make him a hardened player. Uh, he claims to be a communicator, which will be helpful for them because there are times when you've looked yeah. just so porous at the back. So I think if he's an organizer and has a bit of uh, a bit of sort of stiffness to his defence game, that'll really help. Him. But I still think he's missing that middle of the park. The game is, in my opinion, a lost in the middle of the park, and a pest like uh, Cameron Devlin was just the kind of guy who breaks up play and sets attacking moves on their way is a real get for them. And I don't think they've got that 
ready-made uh, replacement in their uh, in their squad at the moment. Yeah, I guess I guess they'll be looking out for someone to come into that midfield. But I, I guess I want to touch on Alec Paulson. Um, how epic his performance was, or, or we've thrown a few words out today with Ross Taylor, but uh, how epic Alec Paulson's performance was in goal the other night. Yeah, fantastic to see. And and New Zealand has always wanted to produce goalkeepers for some reason. I suppose it's because we spend a lot of time without the ball and a bit of time defending <laughs> when we get up against the better sides. But, but honestly, New Zealand, as I go back through uh, my playing time in the 80s and, and from that point on, and pre that point, New Zealand's always produced keepers. And Alex Paulson, I've seen him play a few times here in Wellington in the domestic competition. Um, he's he's not a massive build. He's not built like a sort of uh, a, a typical keeper. But his athleticism and his ability to say uh, be a shot stopper looks really good. Um, and when Ollie went out, I did fear for them. But Paulson stepped in and he's, he's looked right at home. Hopefully it's that thing that most keepers, or good keepers have, and that's sort of a lack of fear and sort of some sort of uh, missing uh, chromosome in the brain area that just has them believe they can stop everything. They're, um, they're a mental game, the old keepers. Um, they're typically mad. Hopefully Portland's got the right kind of mad at them. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Hey, Dave, we've only been off here two weeks, um, Christmas Day and New Year's. We're back on the 8th. And guess what? In that time, the English Premier League was decided. Like It's over, right? In the blink of an eye. It's over, right? In the blink of an eye. Yeah, well, Man City just look unstoppable as everyone else stumbles that stepping in. That game against Arsenal, I thought Arsenal were the better side. I had a look at that one. I thought they were better yeah. on the day. But champions come up with champion goals and they came up late and they came up strong and, and ended up taking all the points where Chelsea's and Liverpool's, the chasing pack, they stumbled. Man City don't look like stumble. I don't think any team's ever ever looked as sort of uh, superior as this. They look they look massively better than the other sides for mine. They are not the not the deeper squad. I think Liverpool and Chelsea both have deep squads are get second, third. Uh, but I just Man City have the kind of players that uh, win leagues. Uh, some real quality real quality coming out of that Man City team, which is as you say probably and in likelihood put Premier League to bed. David, appreciate your time. It's a glorious day in the capital. You need to go swimming, surely. Appreciate it. I'll head down to the beach. I'll slap some sunscreen on. I'll slap it. And uh, I'll make my best impression of a, of a dugong. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Mr. Choate. David Choate, who was going to provide expert analysis alongside me later uh, tonight until uh, the news yesterday came down that the next two Wellington Phoenix games have been postponed as eight players now impacted with... COVID, testing positive for COVID. It's 10 minutes away from 12. Our final thoughts after the break. Well, thank you to everyone who contributed via uh, Sleep Drops Performance of the Week, <laughs> despite the fact that Ben Francis just gave it to the first guy who texted about darts. Um, I like this one from Craig. My performance of the week is Paul Rifle for giving Stokes out when the ball hit the stumps but didn't dislodge the bales. What the hell was he thinking? Court, nope. He was shouldering arms. LBW, nope. Nowhere near the pat. Uh, pad, so what was it? Well, even umpires have brain fades. Um, that was quite an unusual moment. Um, maybe Should be chuckled. bold. Um, Should but, be bold. Oh well. He got bold. What, the bales didn't come out, so Sashin? So what? He got bold, Because mate. that's hit the, the rules. They hit the stumps. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyone who's been mate, following tough. us, Daniel, uh, the last with our 25-leg <laughs> multi, uh, Bayern Munich, who we thought was a do- $1.30 chance, ravaged by COVID on the way, apparently, to the ground. Muchin Gladbach beat them 2-1. Okay, away oh, from no. home. So luckily I can drop one leg in mine. Uh, but Ricardo's out. 
He just went on the 25 <laughs> on the nose. So I've gone, I've got 25 and ta- can have 24. Uh, but yeah. So I'm still in. Ricardo's out. Oh, br- that has warmed my soul, Mitch. It's been great to have your company today. Look forward to Saturday, next Saturday. Have a great week, team. My thanks to Ben. Ta-da.